if I had all of the money in the world to be doing whatever I wanted to do, what would I be doing? And I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. I love my job. I love sport and finding my limits and pushing myself. I love it. I had my worst race on the most important day of my career. I was devastated and I didn't know what was next. And he looks me straight in the eye and he goes, but did you do your best? Triathlon is like a second chance for me at this, which is I think very rare for people. And I started to feel like I needed something else in my life, that I wanted this, this other purpose. Am I gonna be the same athlete that I was before having a baby? You know, the answer is no, I'm not. How am I gonna continue to be world-class while also giving my daughter and my family the attention and love that they deserve? Hey everybody, Morgan Lattimore here. People call me Coach Morgan, the people's coach. I'm a Marine, I'm a triathlete, I'm a coach, and I'm a family man. And you know what? I like having real conversations with real people. I want to talk to people that are willing to have the, the hard conversations, get down deep and dirty on things that they don't tell anyone else. Because who are those people that avoid the real questions? They still have a long way to go. But the people on this podcast are willing to go deep and let you know who they really are so you can grow from their experiences. If you haven't heard of Chelsea Sodaro, you should have. An impressive college track career, and she moved up to the Diamond League and performs with the highest level world athletics. Plagued with injuries, dabbling in triathlon when her husband say, you should get back and you should try this out. Her recovery plan ended up being falling in love with the sport. She burst into the professional scene, 2018-2019, numerous 70.3 wins. And guess what? Stunned everyone with a fourth place finish at Ironman 70.3 World Championships, Nice, France in 2019. Like everyone else, man, COVID years have played fast and loose with her triathlon career. But in the meantime, she and her husband had a baby girl. Man, it's beautiful having children. Chelsea is actively elbowing her way back to elite status while being a spokesperson for professional female athletes returning to the sport after having a child. We get right into it here, so buckle up. Let's talk to Chelsea. Chelsea, you ready? Uh, this is a little bizarre for me. It's a little, I mean, a little bizarre. Yeah, usually I'm on the other side. You ready? We're gonna do our exercise, our breathing exercises. Okay, I'm ready. You're ready? We're not I'm gonna re do like a, a joined yeah, breathing exercise. <laughs> no, no, so chaturanga into a downward facing dog. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? I'm well. How are you? It's nice to see you and well, see your face now that we're chatting here. Yes. Uh, a few days ago. We had amazing, amazing call, I, and I, I've been thinking about it. And you know, I, I went back after the call, and I and I went to your Instagram page, and I was like, "Let me just stalk her a little bit more and find out what's out here and what does she do." And and um, it's always a mix. You're always smiling, one right? Even when you're in pain, you look like you're smiling. 
when you see some of your workouts, you, you have this like this glow about you, and it's like really keep it like, almost puts you like a person at peace when you're looking at somebody because some people you see smiling and they just give you too much then you have the other people that are out there that are, are faking the smile and they're like oh you should probably stop doing that but you're like right in the middle and the the ones i love the most is like when you have the you know the little one with you thanks those are the ones that i love the most and that was very complimentary thank you i think you know i really do love what i get to do right now and so it's not faking it i guess that like joy that i feel yeah you're training you have your family and like where are you where are you at as a mother mentally right now like we're like you have a lot on your plate and you know i call you you know i gave you a text message and said busy b and that's how that's your new nickname from now on every time we talk i'm gonna just send you a b on a text message you'll know what i mean <laughs> oh i don't know if i'm that if I'm that busy, I think I'm, I still am very much a new mom. That's how I see myself. And, you know, I'm eight months postpartum. And I think I had expectations of what this period of time would look like. And my expectations and my reality are very different. Mm. And so, you know, I'm, I love being a mom. I love being a pro athlete, but I'm still kind of finding my footing in both worlds right now, um, kind of independently of each other and also how they're going to work together. Yeah, that harmony. We look for that harmony, right? We do. We do. And I think that like any sort of balance is really unrealistic. I don't believe in balance, but yes. I guess before, <laughs> before I had my daughter, you know, I could completely immerse myself in my work and my job. And I have a really supportive partner who was comfortable with that arrangement. You know, like if I wasn't feeling great in training or I needed to work on some things, I could just like check out from, from life sort of, and like go all in on that. And that's not possible anymore. And it's not even something that I want to do anymore because I love my family so much and I want to be there with them and for them, but it's trying to figure out like, how am I going to continue to be world-class while also like giving my daughter and my family the attention and love that they deserve. Yeah. And then I'm loving that you said, you know, I, you don't believe in balance because I think balance is bullshit. Right. And I tell everybody, they said, I'm seeking to find balance. And I said, if you're seeking to find balance, balance doesn't want to be found because you haven't got it yet. Right. And there's a piece about balance because most people don't understand that balance has a tipping point. Right. And so there's if you put too much on one side or take too much off another side, something is going to be lacking at any given time. And that's where where harmony comes in. And how do we how do we find harmony within that? Right. And so as we talk about harmony, like, how do you do that? Like, OK, you got let's say, hey, yeah, I think you got a trainer in your house and you got a, a treadmill. Right. You got a treadmill in your home mm -hmm. based off your pictures. Yeah. Like if, if your partner's not around, like, how do you do that if you have like an hour run or a two hour bike ride and you had the baby, like, how does that work? Well, that doesn't work. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> good one. Okay. I don't think that at least for me, that doesn't work. And I haven't been put in that position too mm -hmm. often where I'm really like having to choose getting my workout in or taking care of my daughter. Right. Because like, that's not a decision. If the baby's crying or the baby's awake, like, you take care of the baby. I think, you know, I, I did, I was super naive. I, 
I had this vision of my child like being in the bouncer or whatever, or like on a play mat next to my bike trainer. Right. And I would be like on the bike doing my thing and she would just be like hanging out or she would get used. I legitimately thought, okay, maybe if I just put her next to the bike trainer really early, she'll learn how to fall asleep to that. The hum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like you, you tried it. No, I 100% did not try it. I did not try it because, because like any parent would realize like that's not a real, that's not a realistic thing. But, yeah. you know, I was I was pretty green. I think the way that this has worked for me so far is that I have like an amazing husband. I have we lived um, we just moved, actually, but we lived a couple doors down from my parents for the first eight months of my daughter's life. And then, you know, I had to start hiring people to take care of my kid when, when I was working. And so I think I also had this vision that I could be like full-time mom and full-time pro athlete. And being a professional athlete is, from my perspective, when you're doing it right, it's a full-time job. And in order to be like professional while you're doing your job, like you have to outsource some childcare things. Yeah. At least that's what I've had to do. So as you did, like, did you did you get any of that um, that information from your mother? And you know, how was you guys' relationship as like what basically like what did she do as you were growing up? Like, was she a stay-at-home mom? Like, who was she? My mom is incredible. I think she is has been such an such an amazing example to me and one of my heroes in life. She went to med school when I was one years old. Mm. And she had my brother while she was in med school. And she, you know, worked her butt off my whole life and also managed to be a very a very present parent. And so I really look at her as a model of someone who had a big career dream, but also was able to live out her dreams of having a family and do both really successfully and and very gracefully. And, and she tells me now how there you know, were a lot of tears when she was in med school with two young kids and it was really hard and there were, you know, a lot of sleepless nights, but that's not what I saw. I saw, you know, a parent who was incredible at her work and like beloved by her patients and by our community where I grew up, but also, you know, a woman who was really there for her kids and really with her kids when she was able to be at home. What, what, what last that conversation went on, like, did she tell you anything that blew your mind? Like any like situation where you, like you didn't know that she had to go above beyond to make something happen for you? Because, you know, when I talked to my mom, I remember the first time I had a conversation with her and I started telling her about the like, things I used to do in high school and I did afterwards. And she was like, what? And then she would tell me how she would handle things. And like, because we're living two different lives. Like you, you said that you she saw it one way, you saw it another. But like, did anything like stand out to you that like truly blew your mind when you found out? You know, she interviewed at med schools when she was pregnant with me, actually. And then she deferred her like start date by a year. Okay. And she she told me stories about, you know, some of the places where she interviewed and they asked her some like really inappropriate questions about her pregnancies and her plans for her family, which, 
you know, like are quite frankly, they're illegal to ask women, but that was something that she had to deal with. And ultimately the, the only program that was going to work for her was Michigan state, which um, has a history of being very inclusive, has a very diverse med school. I think I want to say like 50% of the class was women uh, that like age, the ages that they accepted into the program, like were very diverse. I think they had some, you know, kids just out of college. And then they had um, some students who were over 50. Uh, it was racially very diverse. And, and so that was kind of the only program that was really an option for her. Uh, I think, you know, we're making a lot of progress with what's, you know, possible for moms in the workplace, but, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about and something that she was confronted with when she was uh, a new mom and something that, that I'm working through as well. I don't know if that answers your question. It does answer my question because it brings up a good point, right? You see, especially around the Olympics, as we had female runners out there, uh, Allison, was it Allison Felix, right? We talk mm-hmm. about pregnant moms and how, you know, certain organizations dealt with that and how they deal with it now. Like you just actually seen Hoka had a post on Instagram where they had a runner talk about running eight, 800 meters, going from 800 meters to mom, right? And she had a, yes, a, a baby yep. bump out there, correct? And yeah. um, have you dealt with that? Right. I know you, your mother told you about it, but like, did it prepare you for a situation or ha- have you been you know, faced with something like that? I think I've had I had a lot of fear about what my career would look like on the other side of pregnancy. We see a lot of female athletes who. They get pregnant after their career is over or they get pregnant towards the end of their career and they don't necessarily see like the pinnacle of their career as something that's going to happen after baby. And and that's where I think that my story is a little bit unique in some ways is that I chose to start my family like just as the prime of my career was taking off. Mm-hmm. And and I really believe that the best is yet to come for me athletically. But there is also a lot of fear about, you know, am I going to be the same person I was before? You know, the answer is no, I'm not. Am I going to be the same athlete that I was before having a baby? No, I'm not. Correct. Am I going to be supported in the same way that I was before I had a baby? And and that's kind of what I'm exploring right now. I have been so lucky with how my partners have supported me, how Hoka has supported me how my coach has supported me. But I think something that's really important in that statement is that I feel that I'm lucky. This has not been the norm Mm. until recently. Yeah. And I really want us to get to a place where we don't feel lucky that companies value us and continue to pay us and support us um, when we bring a child into the world. Yeah. I think that moms female athletes um, who go through pregnancy and birth are incredible role models. They're very marketable. They're very relatable. And, you know, we have so much to offer. And I think the brands are starting to see that now. But I I look forward to, you know, the moment and hopefully by the time my daughter is in her 20s and 30s navigating the workforce that in in all industries, it's the norm for workplaces to say, congratulations. How can we support you? Yeah, 
And I think we're going, like you say, we're going towards that direction. We still, we always have time to time to grow and room to grow, right? And as I, your mother, you know, over, overcame some odds, and and I, I can only imagine that that amount. Of, you talk about med school, you're being the second child, right? And and she's trying to she's trying to navigate and figure out, like, just she probably could answer the questions just like you in that time of her life. Like I'm, I don't know. Like I'm trying, and it was probably even more people, not even, you know partnering with her to say like this is how we can help you do this and her overcoming that this just makes her even what uh, even stronger individual a stronger mother is that something that you're trying to emulate or do you find yourself afraid if you can't meet maybe the standard that she's made set you know in the past gosh that's an interesting question you know my mom had a very good friend who went through a similar journey as she did with, you know, having a child very close to the time that she went through med school. And she actually told my mom about this program at Michigan State. And so it only really took one person to show my mom what was possible. And I think that I am going through my athletic career in a time where I have had such incredible examples of female athletes choosing to have their families um, during their careers. My actually, I ran professionally before I started triathlon and my running coach is a woman named Magdalena Boulay. She's actually a Hoka athlete herself. Okay. And she had her son when she was 32 and she made the Olympic marathon team for the U.S. two years later. And, you know, Magda has been an incredible mentor for me since I started college. We, I've known her for, I don't know, 15 years or something now. and. So that has been kind of a steadfast role model, an example of someone who I've seen, I've seen her do it. So I know it's possible. Another college teammate of mine is a woman named Alicia Montano, who is an 800 meter runner. She's an Olympian. She was a multiple time U.S. champion after giving birth to her daughter. And she also has this organization called Ann Mother, which is working to help support women um, through this exact thing that I'm I'm going through. And so th there are examples, Allison Felix, for instance, Stephanie Bruce, Callan Taylor, other athletes on the Hoka roster, Marinda Carfrey. Th there are some amazing examples for me to look to and say, my journey is not going to look exactly like theirs, but I know that it's possible. I know that you can be better than you've ever been before after having a child. I don't know when I'm going to get there. I don't know when I'm going to have that moment in a race where I'm like, gosh, I did it. But I know, I know that it can be done because I've seen it. Right. There, there's women that are going to be listening to this and they're on the, on the fence, you know, they're on the fence. It's like, should I do this? Should I move forward? I could, I could, I could bring a child into this world and have something beautiful, or I can go in the professional route and, and try to create some longevity in my career. How do you help them move forward in that? thought process. Yeah, it's such a personal decision. And I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer. I have been a professional athlete since I was 23 years old, or I've been pursuing professional sports since I was 23 years old. And I'm 32 now. And a lot of that pursuit has been very selfish for me, very single minded. I could, like I said, totally immerse myself in my process of getting better and improving and and be so focused on that 
And I started to feel like I needed something else in my life and that I, I wanted this, this other purpose. And so, you know, I'm, I think that my life is so incredibly full and rich right now. And there's so much love and purpose and passion, but I don't feel that I've like arrived. <laughs> I don't feel that I'm at like, like I'm not at that harmony that we've talked about. I very, I feel, I do feel like a sense of loss in some ways. And I miss being able to like check out and I miss being able to be selfish and so independent all of the time. But I also like wouldn't change anything. Yeah. And so I don't know if that like answers the question for someone who's deciding whether or not to have, you know, a baby in the thick of their like professional sporting career or, you know, like at the height of their, you know, like corporate career or whatever. But I think it can be done. And I think that if you have the right support, it's totally possible to be excellent in your career and also a great mom. Yeah. No, I think you you nailed the 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 question and you could hear what I what I enjoy about what you just said is about that that moment of love, right? There's always in everything that is worth anything is going to be struggle. There's going to be doubt and and that's okay, right? Because that just means you're human. But what you can't replace is the love that you have for your child. My daughters, I have four of them, right? And when I look at them, I realize I get to do this and it's hard and I get up early and I stay up late and they drive me crazy and we go to doctor's appointments and they don't do what I say. And then they want to don't want to put the shirt shirt on them. And then they want to, you know, have these earrings and then they want to look like the other girl. And then one of them want to cut their eyebrows off because people are teasing them. Right. But guess what? There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Nothing. And so I understand you. I see you. And I appreciate your outlook on that. I really do. You're amazing. So just oh, ne never forget yeah. that. Right. And that's that piece. Right. It's not about doing and setting an example for our children. It's about setting an example for ourselves and that our children see that. Yeah, I think I do think about I think about what I want my daughter to see and she's not going to remember this time exactly, but I want her I want her to see what it looks like to struggle, but to keep on going and to do it as gracefully as you possibly can and to love it even when it's really freaking hard, you know, because like you said, anything that's really worth pursuing is going to be challenging and you're going to hit speed bumps. And like when you're in like for me, when I'm like in the thick of a hard training block and I'm not crushing it and, you know, all I want to do is to be like performing like a world champion, right? I don't quit. I keep on going. And that's what I want her to see. We've had a conversation about some some deeper moments for you in your earlier in your career and in the transition from running to triathlon and tell us about that like you know for those that don't know you tell tell us where you came from and then 
through the trials to now, right? And then we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into that transition after that. Sure, so when I graduated from college, I, I'd kind of had a breakout fifth year, but I wasn't like recruited by any brands. I wasn't recruited by any agents. I just knew that I had more to give and I wanted to find out what I could do. And I started working with Magda Boulay as my coach at this time. And only, I think, I want to say like four or five months later, I won my first national title. And then a few months later, I won my next national title. And all of a sudden, I'm like a contender on the U.S. scene. I'm in the mix to make the world championship team that year. And I come up a little bit short, but, you know, I have this like kind of brilliant start to my career that was totally unexpected by me, by my family, by, you know, people who supported me, but it was really exciting. And, you know, when you're young like that and you're just getting started out and you have some of these breakthroughs, you're like, the world is my oyster. Like (laughs) here, like here are the things that I need to do. And I'm going to be on the Olympic team in no time. Like if I just keep on ticking these boxes and going along as I am, like everything's going to be great. And training, running, triathlon, endurance sport, that's all that I really know about. I assume other sports as well. They're not linear. That's not how it works. It's not just like, at least from my experiences, you know, it, it's it's not a perfect progression. You have um, peaks and valleys, and it's all about riding that out for as long as you can and staying as healthy as you can and staying as motivated as you can. And... After that first year, I ended up having a lot of injury. I changed coaches all the time. I was constantly moving all over the place. I had a lot of instability in my life. And my husband and I, before the Olympic trials in 2016, we kind of just like went all in on this and we made a big move and we didn't have a lot of money. And I thought, I still thought that I could make the team. And I was having a hard time staying healthy. I think, you know, in retrospect, that lack of stability just wasn't great. Like I wasn't in a great place going into the trials in 2016. I had the Olympic standard, which gave me a shot to make the team. But I had my worst race on the most important day of my career. And my shoe contract was up at the end of that year. And I just remember like... I was, I was devastated and I didn't know what was next. I didn't know if I was going to keep on running, how I was going to afford to keep on running. If I even wanted to do that, Mm -hmm. how I was going to get healthy. And my husband and I had been following triathlon just as fans. There were several American women on the Olympic team in triathlon who were medal favorites and it was super exciting and we're watching the Olympic triathlon. I'm like in a total funk because I'm hurt and broken emotionally and physically. And my husband looks at me and he goes, I think you should try that. You'd probably be really good at it. <laughs> Go and figure. I just laughed. I thought it was the most ridiculous idea. But I joined a master's group and he got me a bike. And I loved, I loved riding my bike and I loved the process of getting better in the pool. And I started reaching out to like various people in triathlon that I knew or I'd heard of. And I ended up joining a professional group just a couple months later. That's nice. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, what was that like? You so tell us about that 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 moment. So you get it, you get out there, and you you start preparing, warming up for the race at the trials. And what was on your mind then? I think I was very nervous. I felt un I felt unprepared. I I don't think I was confident. You know, I didn't have like that swagger. swagger that you yeah. want to have. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I definitely didn't have that. Yeah, I definitely didn't have that. So I think it's such a like mental game when you're preparing for a big race like that. And you have to be confident in yourself, but you also can't fake that confidence. At least I know I can't fake the confidence. Like the confidence has to come from somewhere. It has to come from like the training or other races or um, just knowing like you've put in the work. And I, I didn't have that. Yeah. And so you get on the line, gun goes off. What next? Tell us about the race. Oh my gosh. I think I, the 10, I was doing the 10K on the track. Okay. It was my second 10K ever. My first one I ran a few months earlier and I got the Olympic standard and it was like a really easy race. I totally fell on the flow. It was super relaxed. I, like, I got this. Uh, this 10K, I think was probably, we probably were running the same pace as that race, if not slower, but it was a hot day in Eugene, Oregon, and it felt hard from the beginning. And I knew like only a couple laps in that I was in trouble. And I think that that, a lot of that was mental, that I wasn't, you know, really present and focused and there in the way that I needed to be to perform at that race, like take away making, you know, the Olympic team. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ever really in the race. Right. And you, at some point you figured it as you got closer to the finish line and what went through your head? Like what? Cause I know as we race, right. And we knew when, when something's going South or even when something's going right, like you're already planning the finish line and after, like, how are you going to handle people? How are you going to handle your own emotions? Like, what am I doing? Like, what, what, what were your plans from there when you, when you knew that you weren't giving or you weren't at your best? Like, what did you know that had to happen next? Like, what were you thinking when, when we talk about, you know, reflecting on what's going to happen in the future for you from that point? Oh my gosh. I don't think that there were, I don't think that there were plans, <laughs> plans of what was, <laughs> there were no plans. <laughs> um, I, don't, I was really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed because th there were people who had really supported me to get there. And I felt like I really let them down. I felt like I let myself down and I really didn't rise to the occasion. And so I think I just wanted to go hide and crawl into a ball and like disappear probably. That's what I was thinking. Right. 10K also when like things go south in a 10K, and you have like 25 laps, you're like, oh man, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. It's not like in a triathlon, like in a long course triathlon, if you're having a bad day, like you're all stretched out and the course is like, what, like expansive. And so if people see you, it's only once or twice, you know, they see you looking rough once or twice. Mm hmm on a track 10k they see you looking rough for the like 30 time. odd minutes the whole time 
Oh man, yeah. and, and they're just yeah. watching you because you see, even on the Olympics, as we watch people, and, they, and then the commentator is over there just saying, Oh, oh he's falling apart. Oh my goodness, bad move, right? They're literally talking you through the the the, the dark moment because you know, most of the people that have, are watching it didn't, didn't probably been there or they, they know what it feels like and they see it in you. Um, and it's crazy though, like. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't wish that on anyone else. How have you moved through that? Have you moved through it? Like, have you like, is it still there? Like, it, like deep down, not, not that logical answer you want to give me like, yeah, I'm, I'm worked through it and all this. Like who, who has it made you? And is, is that failure still a big part of everything that you do? You know, I failed so many times. And I think that there's always this fear. There is this fear of like what Chelsea is going to show up today. I think that's that is something that I carry with me. And there's always like nerves going into future races like Am I gonna rise to the occasion? Or am I gonna like fall apart like that particular day? And I have had other races where I've totally fallen apart and they've been they've been disasters. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's a defining moment in the sense that like that one race, that one like failure, so to speak, has like defined me or my career or something that I'm dwelling in, but it was certainly a very low moment. And I think that what I do get the most nervous about going into races is like, am I gonna show up today? Because I do have so much self-belief and I have like so much confidence and excitement in what I'm capable of and what is possible for me in sport. Like I'm afraid that I won't be able to realize that potential. And I think that's what my running career was for me in some ways is I didn't like realize my potential and my vision and dreams for what it was going to look like. And triathlon is like a second chance is a second chance for me at this, which is, I think, very rare for people. husband's been that with you through thick and thin yes he has he's amazing he has yeah he got thank you husband for uh, what's his name what's his thanks steve thank you steve for yeah. uh bringing her to triathlon uh <laughs> does he do any tries at all no although apparently there's this couple's triathlon that's happening this coming spring and so i'm trying to like talk him into it but he told me it's not enough of a heads up steve come steve, on bro come on bro Come on, bro. Like, y'all know you're going to listen to this. You, and and <laughs> I'm going to tell her to tell you. And matter of fact, I'm going to text you and I'm going I'm to write something for Steve. I just, just hold the phone up to his face and say, and I'm going to really <laughs> call him out. I'm going to I'm going to go right no. at his ego straight. Well, there's to like him. there's a massive prize. There's a massive prize purse at this thing. And so I'm, I'm like, maybe we should just give it a go. You should just give it a go. But he's in a, he's a very good athlete. He's actually a much better athlete than I am. Mm. Um. 
but he doesn't he doesn't do professional sport or anything but he he's a stud. are you just saying that because you love him or is that i'm not right? i'm really not you know those people who just pick up something new yeah, like they can yeah. just pick up a new sport or like the way they move through the world you're like whoa like you're a freak that's like that's what he is <laughs> so what is his sport like what is the thing that he does like obviously like what what's his hobby does he do anything <laughs> at all other than work he, yeah, he, he, we met at UC Berkeley on the track team okay. and he was, a he was very good there. He walked on and then ended up being all American and running sub four minutes in the mile before, before, um, all these crazy fast shoes came out. And, uh, now he, he like runs for his health and he likes to lift weights a lot and oh, he, he's, a he's dad. very competitive. He's a dad. <laughs> yeah. He's super competitive though. So he like gets into um like softball leagues and i don't know things like that man how does your dad <laughs> get along with them they get along really well yeah how do you get along with your dad i get along well with my dad we are very similar he's been a really big part of my my athletic life since i was okay. a little kid he's from boston and boston. he was always training for the boston marathon when I was growing up. And so I would ride my bike with him on his training runs starting when I was like four or five years old. As soon as I could ride a bike, I would go on his training runs with him. And it was our time together. I thought it was so cool what he was doing and how fast he was. And he was always very supportive of like me getting involved in sports and coached my brother and my soccer teams. And um, also was a big part of my running career too. Really? Does he still run now? He doesn't run a whole lot now. His his uh ankles and knees are a little uh dinged up, but he rides his bike a lot and lifts weights and stuff. Yeah. Tell me about your tell tell me about your you guys relationship now him as grandpa. Like what does that look like? Like how beautiful is that? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I feel so lucky that my my parents have been so involved in my daughter's life. Like I said before, we lived down the street for them from them for the first several months of of her life. And they have a really, a really special bond. I think that being a grandparent is is such a cool thing in that you don't have to do a whole lot of the parenting, but you or the hard parts of parenting, but you get to do all the fun things and enjoy the like milestones and form this this really cool bond that is like all joyful and and none of the like discipline or um really like hardcore rearing part <laughs> was he was he the dad that was out there just saying like you better kill it you better kill it. he's like he talks you through it or he's the one that stands there and just silent and just gives you that look it's like better next time i would say the latter yeah he's not he was never a yeller but this says this says a lot about my dad actually I came home from school one day and I had done really well on the test. I don't even remember what the subject was, but I went up to him and I said, dad, guess what? I got the highest score in the class on this test. And he looks me straight in the eye and he goes, but did you do your best? Damn. <laughs> oh man. Um, let me think about that for a moment. Like, is there better than the top of the class? I don't, I'm not sure. So, you know, he's a really, he's very competitive. And I think that I get a lot of my competitiveness and my drive from him, but 
he always made it about like us and what we were capable of and were we doing our best and and really teaching my brother and I not to like compare ourselves so much to other people and their benchmarks of excellence, but figuring out what like our best effort looked like. How do you define that? Like, I mean, what is what is that like for you when if you had to paint a picture of your best effort? I mean, mother, pro triathlete, wife, daughter, like what does that look like? Like, how do you paint a picture of your best effort? Like, when do you know you've achieved that? It's a slippery slope, isn't it? I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it is. And I think that that's what we're seeking at any level of like triathlon or in relationships. You're always seeking that best day. And I haven't found it yet. I have not had like a race where I have thought that was my best ever. I did like my best swim ever. My transitions were perfect. I biked my best power and I had my best run off. Like that's never happened. And that's what I'm seeking, right? Like I want to have a a race that is truly, truly excellent from my like perspective. And I think that, I don't know if that will ever happen, but I think that I'll know when it happens as far as far as like all the other aspects of life. I don't know. It's freaking messy. I think we're all trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. like what excellent. I don't know. How about you? How do you know when you're being excellent in, I don't in all know. of the things that you do? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that I used to think I used to say to people that excellence or perfection, excellence, perfection is almost the same realm for me. It's like it's it's achievable. Right. I, I always felt that it was achievable. I've looked at definitions. I've asked people. But. I don't I, I, as I learned is I, I think that we're that we're perfect where we are. Right. That, and that's that's a hard one for a lot of people to grasp. It's like, no, I can be better. But like you are you're only who you are at this moment. Like you can't be any better than you are right now. Right. I think the growth that we look for enhances that daily. Right. So you say, oh, I'm not where I want to be. And I was going to ask you, like, there's going to be. Are we defining it by data or are we defining it by feelings, right? Because you can, of course, you can hit a different PR in your FTP or you can have a different, you know, a better run split or a better swim split. Like all these things are, are possible. But it's, 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 as we look at what your dad said, is that your best, though? Like, did you go out there and when you hit that mark, right, you say, oh, I've never hit 200 watts before, right? And you hit it. But then mentally you like, well, I've achieved something that I've never done before. And then you back off. Right. Because there's going to be people out there to do that. Or are you going to push it even further? Like so I like it is it's, it's individual. Do you take what the picture is that's painted or do you continue to push even though you have gone beyond what limits you've set for yourself? And I, it is individual and it is a slippery slope because you'll never be able to determine it by just asking somebody. It is a feeling. Yeah. I really struggle with perfectionism. And I've been like that my entire life. And I used to really wear like a badge of honor, (laughs) a badge of honor. But 
it definitely causes it can cause some problems. Yeah. It can cause some problems. And I think that that perfectionism is one of the reasons that I am good at my job. But it's not necessarily like the best quality to have as a mom because there's a lot of like personal angst and anxiety and um stress that comes with that right when yeah like you're just obsessive which i am and and that's something that motherhood is really helping me to work on because it has like humbled that desire to be perfect which i am not but i want to be and um i get disappointed in myself a lot and i'm hard on myself a lot in in triathlon and in my work but i'm learning that that doesn't do anything for me as a parent that doesn't do anything for my daughter and and i don't think it does a lot for me in my sport either i think that kind of like self like indulgent like indulgement of um like being so hard on yourself when things aren't aren't going super well isn't isn't really helpful it's a double-edged sword so i'm navigating that i guess yeah i think that's that piece where we look at perfection right just like we were looking at harmony and we're looking at, at, at balance right as we look for like you if you try to be perfect as a pro triathlete then are you being perfect as a mom like because something has to give right that's that balance but as as you find right as we seek to find the harmony between the two i think you found it right you might disagree but to to do what you love and be around those that you love what greater form of perfection is there that's really true i think and and i do try to remind myself of that but my husband and I talk about this sometimes. My husband, and I, no, my husband and I talk about this sometimes. Like, if I could be doing anything that I wanted to do, if I had all of the money in the world to be doing whatever I wanted to do, I couldn't work or I didn't have to work or whatever, what would I be doing? And I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. I love, I love yep. my job. Like, I love sport and finding my limits and pushing myself. Like, I love it. And to be able to be a pro athlete is like a once in a lifetime experience. It's so fun. The people that I get to meet are incredible. Push, I get to push my body every day. I get to push my mind all the time. And I have also been like privileged with have like bringing this amazing little human into the world. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I got an answer for you now. I'm sitting here. Oh, this is we get we about to get ghetto Buddha on you real quick. <laughs> but like you, I think since as we all these answers that we've given about perfection, right? What I think perfection is, what I've just been thinking about is like it's knowing how much more you're capable of learning, right? Because without that, nothing else can be ever be achieved. Right. When you when you set limits, you you already have defined your boundaries. And so nothing else even matters. But you know that I could be I could be a better mother. I could be a better pro triathlete. I could be a better wife. I could be a better Chelsea. That's perfection. Right. That's the gift that keeps on giving, as you say, like just 
those are the things that we as people, athletes, because guess what? Before you're a pro, before I'm a coach, for we're anything else, we're human beings. And the ability to understand what we don't know helps us continue to achieve the things that we only imagine. And that's the beauty of it. That's the perfection that we seek. And that's the enlightenment that the Buddhists want or whoever, you know, or ghetto Buddha or however you want to get down with the, the terms. But our growth is continuous and perfection is accepting that. And I think in so many ways you've accepted that so many ways that other people can. They just have to choose to. And of course, you're going to be hard on yourself, right? Because doubt, I always tell people doubt is healthy as long as you don't live in it. Right. Sure. That's the key. Doubt is healthy as long as you don't live in it, because it gives you that spark. You need to like get up off your ass, Chelsea. It's time to get back to training. Right. Coach Morgan, you need to hey, call three or four athletes and check on them. Right. It, yeah. That's what it is. Like, am I am I for me? Am I am I a good enough coach? Am am I better than the other coaches? And I have these these little gremlins in my head asking me these questions daily. And I'm like, leave me alone, bro. I got this right but it, it still helps me move forward in it. And it creates that, that drive that most people will never be able to understand. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us who we are. Yeah. And everybody has a chance to live that life. It's a choice though, you know? Yeah, I think that's something that I'm working on as I get older here is, is where that drive comes from. If that drive comes, a lot of, I think, my life, the drive has come from like insecurity and feeling like I'm not good enough or feeling like I'm going to be a disappointment or whatever, right? Of That comes from doubt. And what I would like to come from is a place of love, as cheesy as that sounds. No, it don't sound cheesy. It's true. Because I think that's a lot more sustainable over the long term. And I think that when you're in this business that we're in, you realize how often people come and go and how um, how fleeting the success can be. But if you are really in it because you love what you do and you want to find out what's possible for yourself and the people that you work with and surround yourself with, that can really sustain you for a long time because Sure, you have to get results, but if you're really doing it because you love the pursuit, then it doesn't matter like whether you win all the time or if you get beat or if you have a bad day because you know that's part of the process, right? Yeah. And and you just you have to know what you can do for yourself. You're catching me at an interesting time right now because I, um, you know, I had like plans for how this whole year would work out for me. And, um, well, my plan was this, I was going to do a 70.3 a few months after I had my baby and I was going to like get top five at 70.3 worlds. And then I was going to do a full Ironman and that's what success was going to look like for me. Right. Um, and I like kind of started ticking off the boxes and then I got injured because look, I'm learning that I, um, the same rules apply to me, like the same postpartum rules, they apply to me too. Yeah. Your body's <laughs> still recovering. Really shocking, yeah. Which for some reason has been very shocking for, for me, <laughs> uh, uh, and very humbling. And, um, 
you know, it's weird to be in this place, like this, this place where you have the same goals, you have the same drives and the same passions, but you start to realize that the way you're going to get there is going to have to look a hell of a lot different than how you've done it in the past. And I'm definitely in that place where, um, I'm figuring out how, how that's going to look and how I'm going to like set my life up to be successful. Um, and I think that that is so true for so many women and new parents where they like, they still love their jobs. They still want to work and they just have to do it. Like they just have to do it in a different way. And that doesn't mean they're going to be like any less successful or any worse or any slower, but, um, the path is going to look a lot different and, and coming to terms with that and being okay with that. And then like problem solving and figuring out how you're going to do it. That, now that's right though. Like sometimes, but you've said it a couple of times in our conversation, we're ticking the check marks off, but everything's not linear. Right. And it's really being able to pivot at any given time. I always tell my athletes, like, I'm not training you just to do the race. I'm training you to be prepared for whatever happens. That's triathlon. Right. Because shit's going to hit the fan during the yeah. race. Like these are really Facts. long races at some point. Like, I don't know. I've never had a race. I do this for a living. Right. And I've never had a race. Like I always want to quit at some point during the race, <laughs> every single time. I always tell people like, I have the same feelings that you do. I just deal with them differently. That's it. Yeah. It's a choice, man. It's, it's a choice. I'm human, not invincible. And we move forward, right? That's, you know, forward is a pace. And that's what some people, as right. long as you're, you're taking, you're putting one foot in front of the other, or you're learning something new every day, like that's what matters. And that's all we can, we can only hope to do. Right. And, and, those things are what make us amazing. And I want you to know, I appreciate oh. you. I really appreciate oh, you. you. And you never have to worry about if you're enough because you are. Okay. And there's things that you do. People can only dream of. And I say that people are like, how can you, you know, some people may, may question this, but like people only who they are. Like, I don't expect Chelsea to be anybody else than that. And what she has is showing me. And I think show can show a lot of other people is like perfection doesn't look perfect. And that's the key. And that's the that's something that we we can always live with. Like when we learn how to be parents, it ain't perfect, man. It, I'm still learning every day. And my daughter said, she's like, she's five years old. She said, actually, I don't think I'm ready for bed. I said, uh, can you even spell actually? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you learn these things and you know, I learned how to be a better husband um, as you learn how to be a better wife. And it's that journey that makes it all so worth it. And I see that in you. Thank you, friend. Every word that comes out your mouth, I see that in you. And you don't. I talk to a lot of people and I don't see that in everybody. I'm just be honest. Like the world does not have a lot of Chelsea's out there. Right. Oh, that's but we're friend. all capable of being better. And I think that is the biggest part of your journey and your daughter, your husband, your parents are blessed to have you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Anytime. And it was, it was a joy to talk to you and I appreciate it. And I hope that we can maintain this relationship for eons and eons. And I want to see you, you know, hit some more podiums and high five you at a race after the race. Cause I am nowhere close to, to the speed that you are. Uh, I'm out. Maybe I'll hand you a water bottle or something at an aid station. That's how we will be able to connect. But, uh, is there anything else that you would share to somebody just trying to move forward in their journey and 
they've hit a place in their their careers and their lives and their training where it doesn't look clear. I would say just keep on going. What I keep on coming back to when things are really hard for me, when, you know, everything feels like a grind, if I just keep on showing up every day, doing my best, like eventually it comes around. And I think as long as, you know, you have integrity in what you're doing and you surround yourself with good people, if you keep on giving it a go every day, like it will come around. Chelsea, thank you for joining me here. And I'm glad that we were able to share your story, your passion, your emotion, your journey with the world. Thanks, Morgan. It's been a real privilege for me to be here with you. I mean, have you ever had a conversation so moving that you know that you are a better person for having it? That's what the conversation with Chelsea was. I mean, that was amazing information. I mean, growth, moving forward, challenges, and hey, just keep moving forward one step in front of the other. You know what I mean? And then speaking about her her parents and her mother, right? And that was even more amazing to hear how people have grown. But guess what? You can hear even more information about her and the person that made her who she is today, her mother, in another episode. Just go back in the archives and take a look-see. So thank you guys, man, for listening and and tuning in for the next one. And guess what? We're going to bring you more about who people are, why they are, and what makes them who they are. The Beyond Podcast Series brought to you by Hoka and Iron Man.